Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show on a beautiful fall morning in the Garden State. Um, you folks have known me to be nothing but humble, I assume. I'm the most humble person. I'm the least racist person and the most humble person. Um, I'm nothing more than a humble boy. I'm nothing if not a humble boy. And I would like to humble myself in front of you this episode by saying I was wrong about World Mall. Yeah. Many of you may be in shock and awe. I would understand why you would. But World Mall is is not the solution to the Israel-Palestine conflict. If you didn't catch the first episode, I proposed a something of a no-state solution for the Israel-Palestine conflict. I proposed killing both populations in totality and then bulldozing any and all architecture, religious or otherwise, flattening the Holy Land, pouring concrete, and building the largest mall in the entire world that could be shared by citizens of the globe. Shopping could take place, eating in the food court, going on those indoor roller coasters, indoor water parks, you name it. A hookah lounge for the Arabs. But I was wrong. That is not going to solve the solution. Say, so Zach, why are you, why such though, a 180 in two weeks? What the fuck is that? Have some conviction. I can't. Because I was presented with new evidence over the past week. I spent some time in the American Dream Mall in New Jersey. Which, I don't know if it's the biggest mall in America. I don't know if the biggest mall in America is the Mall of America in Minneapolis. Or if it's the American Dream Mall. It's either the first or the second biggest mall in America. Big enough to, to harbor an indoor water park, an indoor amusement park, Nickelodeon-themed, and an indoor ski ramp, ski hill, mountain, ski resort. It's huge. It's disgustingly big. And because I had not spent a lot of time in malls, because I'm not trash, prior to proposing the world mall solution to the Israel-Palestine conflict, I was lacking context. I was lacking um, experience. And I gained that experience over this past week going to the American Dream Mall. And it's been, it had been such a long time since I'd been in a mall, but boy, did I forget the cesspool of filth 
that pools at a mall. It's disgusting. It's co-eds, teenage co-eds of mixed races trying to finger and give hand jobs. It's people looking to definitely steal shit. It's people who, for some reason, walk around the mall and never get off FaceTime with somebody. Who the fuck are they FaceTiming? It's fucking short, chubby, Latina moms with 16 kids that are wearing something that it, they're a little too old for. Oddly enough, the only candidate, the only member of society that I tend to see uh, that I think the mall is good for is obese black women um, get their steps in, you know. But boy, is it just a collection of low IQ people. I was there on business. It was a business event that they were holding at this fucking complex for idiots, basically. Why they would do that, I mean, it's beyond me. It's beyond me. I don't want you getting in your head that I was going there for leisure because I don't want you to look at me and lose all respect that whatever respect that you did have, maybe you didn't. But if you did, I don't want you to think that I'm going to the mall for leisurely activity. I was there on business. I think the last time I went to a mall was when I had to go to the Apple store. That's the only time you go to the malls. Sometimes there's the, the, the Apple stores, they're really only in malls. So you got to go there sometimes for the Apple store, say. And you, you walk in, you find the nearest entrance, you tunnel vision directly to the Apple store. You tell them their problem. Say, hey, here's what you need to fix. It's not doing this. And they go, okay, give us some time. And then, yes, you do make your way to the food court. And you have an Auntie Anne's pretzel. And you sit there on your phone and hope nobody mugs you. And then you walk back to the Apple store about an hour later. You pay them $5 million for fixing your computer without having any verification that anything was actually fixed. And then you leave. You tuck your tail between your legs as you're passing the fish fucking aquarium store on your way out. And you go home. That should be the extent of which adults interact with malls. Malls are meant for 13 to 17 at the oldest. You, if, you're, if you're a legal adult... And you're in a mall, you should there should almost be some registry for that. A mall goer registry. But with all of these things <clears throat> coagulating in my head at the time uh, that I spent at the American Dream Mall, 
um, I realized that the no state world mole solution that I proposed was not an adequate one. Right? It's not an adequate one. It just doesn't, um, if anything, it will incite potentially a new Holocaust. I mean, I, the amount of rage that I had felt walking around that fucking mall, it would most certainly expedite World War III, okay? Especially a, a mall of the stature that I was proposing. I mean, the American Dream Mall is, like I said, first or second in America. The World Mall would have would have been 10 times the size. That was my vision. I'm a big dreamer. I'm a dreamer. What can you say? Big goals. But I can tell you that you know, even something as simple as fucking having to f- piss. If you have to piss in a mall, good luck because there's two bathrooms and it's 900,000 square feet and four levels. If you if you are committing to going to the mall, little word of advice, wear pants that you are okay releasing your bladder in because you're not going to find a fucking bathroom. And the signs are going to be confusing, right? The signs are going to be confusing. The idiots walking around, they're not bothered by this because I think that they may actually, their brains work slower, these mall goers. They, 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 it's, by the time they notice they have to pee, but by the time the synapses in their brain have made that connection, they're already in the car and they're too dumb to focus on it. Right, they'll make it home, and if not, they'll fucking piss their pants. They don't care. They'll have it. They don't have any shame about it, probably. But you're not gonna. I mean, I was fuming finding a bathroom, and they have. They're supposed to because it's such a big fucking mall. They do have employees just kind of standing around to direct people because they don't have a directory. They have a thing that you have to scan that doesn't fucking come up on your phone. So they they have people just standing sporadically across the mall so that mall goers can ask, Hey, where's the Spencer's gift shop? Hey, where's the buckle jeans store? I would kill myself. I would legitimately commit suicide if I had to work that job. I would kill myself. Hey, where's journeys? I never understood mass shootings, but a mall shooting, a mall mass shooting, starting to it's starting to make sense to me. There's been a few. I was pissed because I had to piss. It's just not the solution, folks. We're gonna have to think of a new one. And we could do it. You know us. We'll figure it out. But the mall solution, it was a good try. New evidence came across my desk. New experience. New uh, context. World Mall is not going to do it. Okay? You're going to have a bunch of fucking different cultures and, 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 and different religions pissing their pants and, and getting pissed they can't find bathrooms and fucking it's it, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a nightmare. Speaking of pissing your pants, 
on Halloween, I went into an Exxon and I don't know what I was buying. I like bottles of water. I have a Brita filter, but I like bottled water. I don't know why. I like it in bottles. Not that I have to have Fiji. I don't have to have Fiji. I'll drink fucking Poland Spring. I'll drink the generic spring water, but it has to be. I like the. I like bottles. I don't know why. But I like, so I was probably buying bottled water. And this hammered about 5'5 five, five Mexican who, who I don't even know if he sp- spoke English. He couldn't speak. He was so fucking drunk. He walks in. And the guy, the Indian behind the counter goes, no, you, you go, you get out, you get out. So he'd clearly been, you know, upsetting the apple cart in this Indian gentleman's Exxon. He clearly, that wasn't the first time he had been there that night, but he says, no, and leave, leave. And then it looks like he's going to leave and he heads toward the door. And then he turns around, takes a few steps back in toward the line, the register where I'm at. And he takes his dick out and just starts pissing everywhere. It was wild. Just took his little Mexican pigtail out and just started pissing right on the floor. It was weird too because he would he it looked like he was he was like pointing his gun at me because he was upside down igloing, right? It was chilly out. His penis wasn't too long, and it, so it was resting on his firm scrotum pointing straight out there was no the the length wasn't there for it to hang over downward so it was kind of pissing he was pissing straight out it looked like he was almost trying to hit me i you know you know me quick agile i just you know my shuttle speed get over to the side i avoided it but at first the indian guy didn't see it and the first thing i did was just stare at the guy's dick i mean there's nothing you can do at that point when a five five mexican who's too hammered to speak English or Spanish, pulls his penis out, and it looks like the penis is making direct eye can- contact with you, you're just going to look back, right? That's a, that's a scenario where, what are you going to do? It's like when a dog, uh, 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 an aggressive dog, stares at you, you can't break eye contact because you have to show them you're the pack leader. That's what I've heard on all the shows. If you want your dog to listen to you, and it tends to be a more dominant dog, if it stares at you, you have to stare back and not break eye contact to show that you're the dominant one so it will listen to you. And that's what I was doing with this Mexican's penis. I was staring directly into his dick hole. I was like, I'm the dom- I tell you what to do. You don't tell me what to do. I tell you what to do. You don't tell me what to do. So I stared at his penis for a while, and then I looked back up at the Indian, and he was... I don't, I don't know why... But he had completely forgotten that we were in the middle of a transaction because he was like fucking around on the back wall. And I went, sir, there is a gentleman that is urinating on the floor. And he turned around and he was like looking. He was like, what? And then I went and I just pointed and I pointed right at his penis hole. And I said, P is coming out of that onto the floor. And then he uh, came around to the front and uh, the little Mexican guy put his penis away and ran off. And when I left, I had seen that he did not make it far. It looks like, so when you come out, there's, it goes into the parking lot, but then if you want to make it to the sidewalk, 
you there's outside of like the driveway portion, there's a bunch of bushes that separate the, that parking lot from the sidewalk. And he must have in his head thought this is going to be a faster getaway if I just cut across and then just bust through the bushes like a fullback, like a fullback on the three yard line. we got to punch it in. Right. Mike Allstott. And so it looks like he tried to do that and he just ate shit and he was just still there when I walked by. So he had a fun Halloween. He had a fun Halloween. Um, but I think, you know, again, just to tie this back to the world mall, that's the type of behavior we would see in the, in the world mall. Right. Cause it wasn't, it definitely wasn't going to be, uh, you know, we would have been selling liquor, right. You let the Irish in, you let the Mexicans in, you let the Germans in, you let the fucking, the, the Swedes, they drink a lot. People are going to start pissing on the floor because there's only one bathroom and a five million square foot complex. The parking is going to be a fucking nightmare. Um, we're not going to offer, you know, the plan wasn't to offer Uber or Lyft. So everybody would have just had either drive home drunk. You know, it just it just wasn't going to work, folks. You know, and I'm humble enough to admit it. And I'm also humble enough to know to to, to let you guys know that in that stare contest between that Mexican man's penis hole, his urethra, and me, I lost. I looked away first. And so now um, now he tells me what to do. That Mexican man's penis tells me what to do. There's nothing I can do about it now. It's hard to shake a first impression. Right? The only way that I could actually take dominance back from that Mexican man's penis would be to violently assault it. To show that I am physically more capable than it. I am physically more dominant. Because in the realm of first impressions, in the realm of non-aggressive, non-physical assertion of dominance, it won. It stared right into my fucking soul and kept pissing on the floor of that Exxon. So... Humility, right? I'm telling you guys, I lost the st- I lost a staring contest uh, contest between a Mexican man's penis and myself, and my no state solution where we decimate the populations of both Israel and Palestine and pave over the Holy Land to build a world mall. It it is not a good solution, okay? But you live, you learn, and it's important to be humble which will be probably the title of today's episode. Usually I find a word or a notion, a phrase that I repeat uh, to no end with these these things. And they tend to to end up being the title because they tend to stick out in my mind when I'm thinking about what to name it, right? It makes sense. You can follow that. You can follow that logic. It's very simple, connect the dots. I, um... I received a new refrigerator this week. My old one was leaking, and it's a very nice refrigerator, and I'm very glad that we have it because it 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 it's the same size, but it it's just the the organization is way better. There's more drawers, and it's easier. You know, you adjust the height, and they have a they have a a deli portion where I can put the turkey and the fucking salami and the prosciutto and the cheese. It's great. It's fucking great. I love it. 
But what I learned from receiving this new refrigerator, getting it delivered, is there's a bunch of different esoteric scenarios that I realize I am not prepared for at all. Let me expand on that. We will start with the absolute absurdity of the Home Depot um, delivery service. They do not give you an ETA. They give you a six-hour period of when they're going to be here. Six fucking hours. So they're, they're basically saying half of the day that you're awake, over half of the day that you're awake, you may or may not be able to leave your home. So you, you have to just stay there and fucking good luck. It's absurd. And they don't give you, they give you an update on how many stops are left before yours. They don't give you a time estimate. They don't give you an ETA. They just say, this is how many more stops we have before we get to you. And that's problematic because once you start seeing these stops go by one by one, you're going to realize some stops take a half hour. Other stops take an hour. Other stops take an hour 30. They're not consistent at all. So when you only have one more stop left, to get to your place, the idea would be that's when you take all the shit out of the freezer that, that that's in there and the refrigerator and you set it out because you want to minimize the time that it's out and yeah, then they come, give you the new refrigerator, boom, put it back in, no harm, no foul, but that's not how it works. That's not it, it doesn't work that smoothly, right? So they had one more stop before me, and it ended up like an hour. And so I, when I saw that there was only one more stop or that that stop was completed and they were now coming to me, again, with no update on how long it would take to get to me, I was like, oh, yeah, I should take my shit out of the fridge now. And so I did in the freezer. And then I sat there for an hour while everything sat at room temp. Because what was I going to do? Go put it back in after 10 minutes? No. What's salvaged is salvaged. What isn't garbage. But that scenario right there, what a specific scenario. I would have needed a big cooler to put all my shit in, maybe some ice, and then I could have put it out an hour, two hours, three hours probably. Three hours is pushing it. Two hours for sure. Kept it in there and felt completely comfortable that all of my freezer and refrigerator contents would be completely fine and it would allow me to have a little bit more flexibility throughout the day. I wouldn't have to wait, sit there and fucking wait until it says, okay, we're coming to you now. Right. But how, what, 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 I don't have a giant cooler. So I was unprepared. And it made me think, because that's such a specific thing to be prepared for. You know, if you go, oh, I, you know, this is, they're not giving me any updates about really when they're going to be here. It's very ambiguous. And, you know, I just want to, 
be able to take my shit out of the fridge so I can do some other things, but I can't, I have to wait and look, just look at this app. Um, and you also just can't, you just can't wait until they get to your place with the refrigerator to start taking all your shit out. Cause they just won't wait. They have other shit to do. So you have to have it out before they get here. And so it's like, how, how am I, you have to have a giant cooler. Well, what the fuck? Who has a giant cooler? Right? I'm not hosting black family barbecues. I don't have a giant cooler. I don't need one to put all of my shit in. So it's just, it's a very specific thing to be prepared for. And I wasn't prepared for it. And it made me think, I wonder how many of these weird, specific scenarios that I'm not prepared for. And they're so specific. It's like, I can't, I can't even think of another example, but you know what I mean? And I know, you know what I mean? There's weird specific things where you're like, I couldn't really have prepared for this, but I'm not prepared for this. And I can't even really think of a reason why I should prepare myself just in case it does happen again in the future. It's very specific things that you may or may not ever encounter, but you're just not prepared for them. And whether or not preparing for them is worth it, I, I, I don't know. They're so specific. But you don't want to not be prepared for them if you get hit with it. If that makes sense. You're not always prepared. You can't always be prepared. Okay. All you can do is prepare as much as you can, right? Here's a gentleman. Let me let me see if I can find this. There was a gentleman, um, a member of Antifa, who here it is. There's a gentleman, a uh, member of Antifa, who was, uh, I guess, at a pro-Palestine rally, but then this guy randomly, this is hilarious. This is, so they're at a pro-Palestine rally. Obviously these are Muslim women and the guy, I think right here with the rings, that's the guy who's going to start running his mouth. Um, uh, it's got to take it back. Yeah. This guy, this white guy in the Antifa mask. And for some reason, even though it had nothing to do with Israel versus Palestine, this guy showed up with a billboard that said children cannot consent or children can't choose their gender or something. And so let's listen to this interaction between an Antifa member, multiple Muslim women, and this guy standing there with a billboard making a point that has nothing to do with the protest uh, that he's attending. Yeah, children cannot consent to puberty blockers. Anti-LGBTQ anti-LGBTQ propaganda. He's trying to tell children that they are not allowed to be trans. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Suck your mom, bro. So if you couldn't hear, the white Antifa member says, this is a guy, she's trying to turn the Muslim girls against this guy standing there with a billboard who looks lost. I mean, he looks like he's on a sedative for sure. Um, he's basically saying he, this guy's telling kids they can't be trans. And obviously I mean, you can hear in the accent is these Muslim women are not from America. And so they go, yeah, they can't kids can't be trans. 
And then the other one, one of them came out and said, you you have black nail polish on and you're a man. Let's find out what the reaction is. The anti- <laughs> you can see it in the Antifa member's eyes. He's like, what the fuck? He wasn't prepared. Right? He wasn't prepared. Much like me. Much like Israel when Hamas invaded on fucking paragliders. And by foot. Some work the Iron Dome's doing. If that's ever... An, I mean, that's the argument to stop funding Israel. Because we, we put a lot of fucking money to that Iron Dome. And it did nothing to stop this attack. So if it's not working, then let's just save our fucking money. But you can see in his eyes, it's he's like, what? I did all the... He, you can see it. He's, he's rifling through his head what to say, what to do. He's done all the correct woke shit. He's done his due diligence. He's done his time. He's been in the woke trenches, folks. But you can't always be prepared. And the state of confusion in his face is priceless. It's meaningful. All of us feel that way sometimes. You feel like you've done your due diligence and you feel prepared, and then something, they just, just a curveball fucking happens, and you go, what the fuck? It happens. Don't um, agree with your face. Who are you then? What do you identify yourself as? What do you identify yourself as? What do you identify that the guy that maybe they're from England and he's not, but he just walked away, which was the right thing to do for him because they are women of color. And in the woke rules, white man, women of color, you get in an argument, you just have to shut your mouth and, and walk, right? So he just wasn't prepared. Listen, we're not always prepared, but that's why you got to be humble. I wasn't all the way prepared when I proposed World Mall, the no-state solution, right? Clearly, because I didn't have all the facts. I didn't have all the experience. I wasn't prepared, but I humbled myself in front of you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who I think probably makes it fairly clear that children can't consent to puberty blockers, as does Allah, or not Allah, Muhammad, Although Muhammad had Muhammad had some sex with children, I think. He married like an eight-year-old or something. Not that it matters. I mean, that matters, but not that it matters to the context of this conversation. But that's it, folks. Be humble and be as prepared as you can be. And that's all you can do, right? And when you find yourself not as prepared as you would have liked to be, be humble again. Yes? Enjoy my conversation with Samuel Urban. He's the illegitimate scholar. Uh, go follow him. He's going to plug up top. He's all this shit. Go follow him. 
And uh, once again, folks, thank you for fucking joining me. Right? We'll figure this Israel-Palestine shit out. We'll get it done. It's no rush. Yes. You know, lives are being lost by the second. But, you know, every time a week passes, I mean, it's fucking, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. It's a Super Bowl Sunday. It's a Super Bowl Sunday. There's nothing you can do, right? It's just Super Bowl Sunday. There's nothing you can do. You watch. You sit back, you watch, right? And then every week we'll come back. We'll, you know, we'll take all of our experiences from that week and we'll come together and we'll try to come up with a solution. Right? Just like Super Bowl Sunday. You put your bets down. You try your best to be prepared to place your money on the best team or make the best parlay. Should you take the over? Should you take the under? Who's hurt? Who isn't? Right? Is the defense strong against the run or the pass or both? Right? Are they going to lock down the, you know, the main receiver? Maybe you take the under on his yards and start looking at some of the alternatives on the team. Maybe a slot receiver, right? If all the attention goes to Tyreek Hill, you know, start looking at Jalen Waddle. That's how that works, folks. Preparation and humility. Preparation and humility. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next week, right? Although the show isn't over. I keep forgetting that the show isn't over yet. Enjoy my conversation with Samuel Urban. Thank you for listening. The recording has began. Samuel Urban, as I live and breathe. How about we do this at the top? How about you tell everybody where they can find you, um, you know, where they can follow you, where they can support you, maybe the last four digits of your credit card number, you know, wherever you feel is appropriate, whatever information you feel comfortable sharing. Why don't you go ahead and do that now? Yeah. Illegitimate Scholar Podcast on YouTube, all podcasting things, ill underscore scholar on Twitter. And those are the those are the main things. There's other stuff, but those are the main things. Um the new podcast every Monday night. Yeah. Five till midnight. That's like comedy. And that's uh that's not fully launched yet, but we do it every Monday. It's uh me and Adam Nutter, the biting the bullet guys, uh Luke and Typo, and then Kyle Matovchik from uh In Liberty and Health. Um, we do that live every Monday night, and Zach is welcome to come on whenever he wants to. Yeah, we've been trying to make that happen. We've been trying to do the scheduling, and uh, there was a couple times that we just couldn't make it happen, but that's all right. And you, you said know? yes, and then that was the one week that we just it, – they everyone else just bailed on it, and I was like, God damn it. Yeah. That's what are right. you going to do? It's, yeah. You know, it's the uh, – you know, it's, it's wacky world here. Listen, let me – just to just to, you know – Start us off here. I, I've often said that I think I've said this at least a hundred times over the first and second episode of uh, since our, our relaunch here. I'm 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 beginning to become a multimedia guy, and so anything that I see on social media or anything that I can find that I I just want to share. I'm becoming a guy who's basically I'm becoming the re- Have you seen this meme guy? But I thought that you may like to see a video of Justin Trudeau uh, Trudeau jogging just because he's a he's a very feminine jog 
So if you, I'm just going to bring this back to like here. He jogs like he has like birthing hips. Yeah. He's got a little sachet in it, man. I don't it's, like it at all. And it, well, he jogs, what he do, he jogs like a woman. Cause no outside of track stars, women don't really run right. Like you see a woman run. You're like, well, you shouldn't be get inside, you know? Even even the WNBA, you see those women run and you're like, I something's like it's almost like a, a you know, when you see a steam engine and it's like it's going and it's and then the 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 thing that connects the thing that's going around is going the other way. And kind of it's like it's like that's what's happening with their hips, like their their hips are going two different directions to try to, you know, steam engine their way through a jog. And like I said, there are some, you know, the track women run pretty good, but every other woman and he runs like a fucking woman. My mother used to do like five K's. This is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks like he should have like those three pound weights in his hands while he's running. Yeah. He, he looks like he should have ankle weights on while he's doing it. Oh my God, dude. He's kicking out his legs. Like what are yeah, so and here's here's the thing too. When you the the knee to hip ratio, so I understand that the hips are going to be wider than the knees when somebody runs. Not like that though. It looks like the fucking. It looks like a inverted ski slope. It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's going straight down. Like, uh, yeah, he's thick around the waist. I don't know <laughs> what's going on, man. I mean, he, he now he is also presented feminine uh sitting like posture he he, he's a very he seems very feminine to me he just seems to have feminine tendencies and and there is yeah and i think that there is uh (laughs) i was literally reading a research study that if uh if you take uh if you introduce testosterone into liberal men they become more conservative and that's like that's scientific study i mean i don't have it pulled up right now but that's a real thing and i i think that that's part of it. I mean, it, when you just see who the left versus who the right like has as heroes, I think it's pretty obvious. It's I, I care very little about. I'm so I'm so entranced by his, the way he runs. He runs. I think Justin Trudeau may be my mother. I think that Justin Trudeau has been uh, Trudeau has been masquerading as my mother for the past uh 27 years of my life i think i was potentially breastfed by justin trudeau i i i i I, this he this he runs like a 45 year old woman to the point where i understand that there are other things that certainly prove that he is a male but this is so convincingly feminine that this is overriding his biology. Maybe I do believe that that people with penises can be a woman because I'm looking at a woman here. Uh, I mean, I, this is the first time that I'm actually seriously considering it. Of all, I, I, yeah, all the times I've ever heard somebody say, you know, a person with a penis can be a woman, I'd go, nah. I'd just go, nah. I mean, you do whatever you want, but nah. Yeah, but now I'm looking at this, and now I think I'm starting to get it. I think I get the transgender movement now. It, you know, it's wonderful what Justin can, Trudeau can do against hate and transphobia. You're and, right. 
has he ever outwardly said that he even identifies as a man? Like, does he have his pronouns out? I bet he does somewhere, to be honest. I'm sure he has, you know, when he sends emails on that classified server, I'm sure the signature is he, him. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And uh, he can identify however he wants, but I'm also able to identify him however I want. And I identify him as a 45-year-old female uh, Cuban immigrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> correct. That is an interesting, how, what, how you just, uh, the perspective you just went into there is like, if, if the argument is that you should be able to identify however you want, shouldn't you also technically be able to identify other people however you want? I mean, I would say yes, but also, I mean, they don't feel that way, right? Like, they, they it's not that they think that anyone should be able to do whatever they want. It's that they think that there is a right way to do things, and that way is allowing people to identify, change their identity in certain cases, and it's a requirement for... Uh, other people to acknowledge and affirm that identity, but it, it's not for everything, right? Because it's like, I've had this conversation with people um, who are into, you know, trans ideology stuff, and I'll bring up the question of like, what about transracial people? And um, they don't, like, they think that it's a joke, but I think it's pretty real, because th there's not like, it's totally possible that that's a thing. It's totally possible that, um, that somebody has a transracial identity. I mean, I, I legitimately believe that Rachel Dolezal really does feel like she's black. Um, and the other thing is that with sex in most cases is, is a lot less permeable, or at least like if there's a case of chromosomes messed up or levels of different testosterone or other hormones, that's not a requirement to change your trans identity. To put it, to put it simply, you can't spend a certain amount of time in the sun and grow a dick. Right. You can become a little darker, but you can't grow a dick. Yeah. And there's also like with race, it's it's it is a spectrum in the sense that like you can't point me to where, you know, north to south when people stop being white and start being black. It's like there's there's differences on the edges. Like people will call Armenians white and then they'll call Turkish people like something else. Yeah. And well, I call them both gross. Yeah. I mean, you said it, not me, but I agree. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know what? They, the, the best thing about race is because there's such ambiguity with uh, color, just color of the skin. Mm -hmm. When you get into like the Mediterranean and, you know, like Turkey and like the, then the Caucasus, too, there's these white Muslims and nobody knows what the fuck's going on. It's like a like almost like a shoehorn of ethnic ambiguity. Those are the fun ones, and those are the ones that I like to watch be racist toward each other because nobody knows who's nobody. Because if there is a racial argument, particularly if you're watching it as from a, a perspective of a Westerner, you always have to take the side of the whoever's darker, right? That's the that's the default. But if there's a white Muslim and a a Turkish or uh, uh, say a fucking, you know, a Sicilian Christian. And he, the Sicilian Christian who looks like he could be, you know, light-skinned e Egyptian, fucking is talking shit about Islam, you don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. 
And then there's like Armenian Christians who were genocided by Muslims. Yeah, yeah. It's the be- it's the best yeah. thing. It's like it's literally. I like the unwinnable arguments because I, that's why I don't mind. Although it has become a stalemate and it's it's getting boring, but like every time Israel and Palestine pops up, yeah, people spin their wheels. That's fun to watch. It's fun to watch like Ben Shapiro repeat over and over again after he's already said it's not the USA's responsibility to fund Israel. Israel can take care of themselves, and then immediately they get in a war and they're like, "We have, we have to." And then he immediately, what's the first thing Ben Shapiro does when Israel and Palestine start fighting? He makes the college rounds because he's going to school some fucking woke college kids, some C average idiot. And it's like, it's fun to see that. I like that because the timeline gets sparked up and it gets boring from a news perspective because the only thing that anyone's ever talking about now is Israel and Palestine. And I wish I would have fucking started the relaunch of my podcast either before or after this made its way out of the news cycle, because now, you know, I talk about Israel and Palestine. There's only so many ways I can be anti-Semitic and anti-Muslim folks. Okay. I'm running out of fucking material here. Jesus Christ. But I like, I like the, I like it when a, a conflict isn't black and white and then people have to try to navigate that landscape. It's very fun because people are not trying to be, when you add the layer of not trying to be offensive, to an already very complex issue, people become retarded. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and uh, and, and, and you, you let them fucking tweet or whatever that new thing of tweeting is. You can't. You just can't. You can't. You know, I'm beginning to believe. I'm beginning to believe that Americans secretly want. World War Three. I'm mean, beginning like, to think that. I, I think there are people that do, but like you, what you think the general population is subconsciously wanting World War Three? Yeah, I think a, a portion of people. I, I shouldn't say the majority, but I think there's a portion of everyday people who think that. Um. I think they miss COVID. I think they miss a a, a setting where. They don't have to do any work. They don't have to. They don't have to live a normal life. They don't have to um, compete in the marketplace. They don't have to socialize, really, if they don't want to. They don't have to uh, be exposed to. Like, I think everyday life, especially post COVID, has become so insanely difficult for a lot of people that they would rather have something, however horrible it may be, alter everyday life than try to work through their problems with everyday life. Uh, Yeah, and I think that maybe that's just a result of everything in the news cycle being completely concentrated on things that have very little to do with the actual issues that people have in their everyday lives because people have a lot of issues right now and the money is not going to people's real issues. It's going to Ukraine and it's going to Israel and it's going everywhere, but to the actual people. And it's also not being talked about what's happening to regular everyday people. I mean, Tucker was just talking about this on uh, Theo Vaughn's podcast. 
um how like dude yeah i i'm I'm sure i'm sure it was a good podcast yeah theo vaughn is funny and tucker carlson i can't have him laugh it it's (laughs) insane it's not just the noise it's the face it's the way his shoulders like slump down i can't I can't do it. I can't do it. I become, I be, when Tucker Carlson laughs, I get a little liberal. I'm, I become a lib. I mean, he's a little effeminate himself, I think. Yes, you're right. That is a good observation. Yes. He's a bit, um, he's a bit, uh, maybe not feminine, but prissy, just kind of a very like up, the, uh, upscale, like what do you like a like waspy? He's waspy. Yeah, yeah, he is waspy, and I don't think he would disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, that's definitely his like whole vibe in general. I, I think when you actually listen to him talk, he doesn't like have the 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 biggest negative aspects of like that culture. He he is more down to earth. Although he definitely grew up in like a rich white suburb, which is fine, but it shows. Um, but not where it matters. I mean, with the stuff that I heard him say on Theo Vaughn's podcast, especially, but I don't know. What was he, he saying? What was he talking about? I was, he was talking about, I mean, the main thing that I was referencing was him talking about like everyday people in America having like a lot of problems right now, economically, and that nobody wants to, <coughs> everybody's talking about Ukraine and talking about things that are going on, uh, elsewhere rather than this. And um, and I mean, acknowledging at certain points, cause Theo Vaughn grew up in like poor in Louisiana. So there were literal points when, um, when Theo Vaughn was talking about his upbringing and then, and then asking, um, Tucker Carlson in response and Tucker actively acknowledged like, well, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a place where I had to worry about this. And I mean, Theo Vaughn was talking about, and this is probably fake, but a guy peeing over his shoulder with like an arch of like a dude who had been held back and like, I, I hope it's true what he was talking about. Yeah. This, they were holding the brothers back like seven years and he would just pee like a golden rainbow right over your shoulder. Um, yeah. Theo Vaughn shit. Interesting. That's an interesting dynamic. Theo Vaughn and Tucker Carlson. Ridiculous dynamic. It's a, yeah, I can't, did somebody told me the other day that Tucker, Carl, because there's all these people on Twitter now, one in particular, I think, uh, I think his name's Benny something. Benny. Benny's a conservative guy. Works for like one American News or something. One of those or Newsmax maybe. Benny Johnson. That's what it is. Benny Johnson. Okay, I've heard of this. Guy. So yeah, he's a he's a he's a big conservative, big Trump guy. But I I heard a clip. He clipped one of a, a clip from his show, and it's just a mimicry of Tucker Carlson. He goes, it's it's literally like, I had a bag of Doritos. Is the bag of Doritos good for your family? I don't think it is. It's not good for mine. It's like you know that cadence, like yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's literally. But then somebody, um, showed or I, I didn't. They didn't show me. They sent me a clip of Rush Limbaugh, and I was like, that's kind of where it, it, it's. So I don't think it would that you know that cadence of him. Huh? Right. It's you good- know what I mean. To convey information. It's a good cadence. It's like inquisitive eyebrows too. Yeah, yeah. It's but I think it originated with Rush Limbaugh. I think he started that. 
that I makes think he sense. had a deeper voice, but it's like the state something that's happening. Ask the audience if it's good or bad. Answer your own question with you don't think it is. And then explain why you don't think it is in a very superficial way. It's a very good way of doing things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally, it's putting the, it's, it's like the, it's like creating a mini thesis. It's how, it's why Tucker, I think is so effective. That was his, that was his template. State the problem, ask the audience or state the good thing. Like say the don't say gay, they call it the don't say gay bill. Say, say they were teaching children and about uh, gender identity in third grade. Ron DeSantis banned that. Is that a bad thing? Do you think that's a bad thing? I don't think it is. Certainly wouldn't be bad for my family. Would it be bad for your family? You know what I mean? It's such an easy, it's a, it's amazing. I mean, it's an effective way of communicating and, and it's concise and, and uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and he was, Tucker was talking about like from the eighties working at like working in news and uh, he was talking about like alcohol problems and stuff. It was, He's a different guy than I thought he was. Um, like I thought, I did about- hear that he was sober. I heard that. Yeah, he is sober. I guess for a long time. Um, oh, I, I- Tucker, a Tucker drunk, a Tucker relapse. Oh Lord, have mercy! Can okay. we get that? Not, I mean, Tucker. Listen, I, I would like you to relapse for just a couple of years. And then get get back on the fucking wagon and and you know do what you got to do for your family and for yourself. But give us two years, Tucker. We, when you're on X, you're not even on Fox anymore. You don't even have to fucking give us two years of drunk Tucker. That'd be amazing. Would it not? I think it would. I mean, and he'd try to execute that cadence drunk, and it would come out okay, but different. That would be awesome. I, I would. No, because here's the thing: he would he would try to continue to stick to the template for the first maybe eight months, but then he would, because the drinking would devolve into just, I mean, we're eight in by fucking 2 PM. Then it would just devolve into him. No template rambling, spewing thoughts, much what I like what I was doing prior to the relaunch of this podcast, just no guardrails, not talking about anything that was, entertaining important newsworthy funny or otherwise and that's the tucker that i want to see for a short period of time then i want him to you know i want him to move forward and then beat it and talk about his battle but just give us two years Eight mile hell yeah man that would have been like i i also would like the same thing of obama obama was very templated in the way that he spoke very um very preacher like quite honestly we were very like very um uh civil rights era preacher like that's he seems to pick up on cadences from that era but yeah yeah with the and, uh, and not not with, the expressiveness of it yeah no he's muted yeah you, you he, you're definitely right he's muted but he, the the cadence the timing the pauses very much like that that era and i w- i wonder you know just in a room you're in his beautiful Martha's Vineyard mansion. His chef has just drowned, and neither you nor him feel anything about it. And you're both 12 scotches in. And I wonder what you know how he sounds, how he 
expresses himself, just body language. Like I, I'm curious about that. I'm curious of, of, I'm not even curious about Trump because I don't think he really changes that much, but I, I'm curious about like, uh, Obama. I'm curious about, I'm curious about Biden. I mean, what is he doing? You know, off camera. I think that both Trump and Biden were at certain points and Trump probably most of the time, uh, hopped up on some serious amphetamines. Um, yeah, that, I think, I, I think, I think the dog was on a little, uh, little Adderall. Yeah, seriously. Like, especially, yeah, it's, uh, that's, I, there, I have no evidence of that, but like, I don't know. I think a lot of people think that, um, I should also tell you that I, when I looked up Benny Johnson, I just Googled him real quick and he had, yeah post from five minutes ago that said that Palestinian protesters are scaling the White House. Um, Share the screen. Um, okay. I had pulled it up on my, I pulled it up on my phone. So let me, let me pull this up on Twitter. Do this quickly. Um, yeah, that's wild. They're, they're scaling the walls of the White House. So, yeah. The, the, I guess, fence. Um, Pro-Palestinian protest. Is there are there videos? Yeah. Interesting. I see. I again. I I really don't give a shit about the Israel Palestine conflict. Here, I'll I'll go ahead and I think I can go ahead and add it to the stage now. I mean, that's not just for those who are who are audio only, that they this is a group of you can't really see. There's not a huge scope as far as the camera angle, but it looks like a a person who is waving a Palestinian flag scaled the uh, the guard fence of was it the White House or the Capitol? Uh, it says White House here. Yeah, um, vandalizing the gates of the White House with red paint and pushing at them as well. I don't mind that. I I mean, listen, I don't give a shit really about their stance on Palestine, but you know, vandalizing the White House, you, we pay for it. Yeah, it's our house, bro. Those people shouldn't have been arrested for that either for going in. Um, they're apparently also chanting "fuck Joe Biden." Oh, that's also very good. Very good. This is very good. Now you might wow. say. Zach, how can you say that when innocent Israeli babies were thrown in a wood chipper and made into hamburger patties for a Hamas barbecue? How could you say that? And they served it with a side of potato wedges. They didn't do the French fries because that's a little over, you know, it's a little overplayed. Let's do the homemade potato wedges with salt, pepper, garlic powder. And they served it with a a, a nice uh garlic ketchup aioli i like a little garlic ketchup aioli not a lot of people like to throw ketchup in their aioli i like to throw a little ketchup in my aioli how can you support this when this is happening um the answer to that is because i have i think at this point become completely uh neutral null and void um callous to almost everything political I don't think I care anymore. And a lot of people who are listening will probably say, Zach, that's, but you're still libertarian. You're still, you know, you still don't, I don't know. I don't even know at this point, I'm questioning everything these days, folks. I don't even know if I don't like government. If somebody, if, if fucking Biden came to me and said, I'm going to pay you $450,000 a year to be my press secretary, 
all you have to do is just, uh, you know, pivot and and redirect and do it. I completely, I would would hundred percent do it, and I do it with Suave. Okay, I would would hundred percent do it. I would lie for the regime. I don't care anymore. I was beaten down. <laughs> We've been beaten down, folks. Stop giving a shit about politics. Don't vote. That's what I'll say. Here's what I will say. You want to make a political difference? Don't fucking vote. I I mostly agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, you should read the Tao, the the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. What's it called? The Tao Te Ching. Tao Te Ching. It's a Chinese holy book. Okay. What is it? It's, what's about? It's it's about being a short book. It's, it's not um, political. Or like, what is it? Uh, it's like where yin and yang comes from. So it's like all that balance shit. Uh, oh, so I, this is the Chin- the old Chinese Jordan Peterson. Um, chaos yeah, and order. Back then, though, they had opium, but no benzos. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. it's all about balance, and it came out of like you know peasants and. It, they do. They they basically tell you to be apolitical, and then there's stuff for leaders as well. Like when it's cool, there's a lot of stuff in here. It's all written in poetry, basically. It's translated, of course, from ancient Chinese because it's like 2,200 years old, 2,300 years old. I'm not gonna lie to you. Poetry is hard for me. Poetry it's not is a like, tough thing. It, it's not like gay poetry. It's like it's like everything. You, it's like poetry in the sense that like the Iliad is written in poetry. It's just not prose. Okay. Um I haven't been in an English class in a long time, Sam. I I it I understand listen, I know I I think the last truly I think the last um poem that I ever read was about a girl who died and it was written by Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. And yeah, he's interesting, and I will tell. Listen, as a non-expert on Edgar Allan Poe, if I had to guess what his position would be these days about Israel versus Palestine, he'd be too drunk to even give a shit. Right? You think Bukowski would have given a shit about Israel versus Palestine? The only fucking writer who gives a fuck about politics, the only good writer who gives a fuck about politics is Stephen King, and he's wrong most of the time. Wrong. So what do you think about that? I I think Hemingway would have supported Palestine. I think... Uh, Never read a single Hemingway thing. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then what, what's that guy's name? The fucking uh, guy that Johnny Depp played in the movie, the uh, gonzo journalism dude. Uh, um, I have one of his books around here as well. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, dude. yeah somebody's listening to this right now. Like, God damn it! It's it's obvious. It's yeah, but I don't yeah. Know. It's um, it's a very interesting. You know what? I, here's a very interesting Israel versus Palestine. If we're talking about Israel versus Palestine, I saw a video. This must have been from. Well, before Assange was in prison, because Assange was like moderating a debate between, you know, that Polish guy that slurs his S's, he has a lisp, and he's like pro-socialism, and he's the only guy who makes like decent, but he's not really socialist, and he makes pretty decent points about his pseudo-socialist ideals, 
and he debated Jordan Peterson and kind of won about socialism versus capitalism. I forget his name, but there was no idea. This is about as vague as it can get. You will never find this video based on the information that I'm giving you. But if you can, if you're a bit of a sleuth, there is a debate between that guy and another guy and Julian Assange about Israel and Palestine. And I watched the clip and the guy kind of the the pole the slavic whatever you know the weird speaking guy with the with the uh the the he slurs his s's the lisp he was kind of saying the reason why it seems like palestine is the terrorist group outside of the manipulation done in western media is it's it's like uh, it's just about who get who got kicked in the teeth last, and when did you start paying attention? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it I I connected it to when, like every time, like in the NFL, if two guys uh, after the whistle start fucking with each other, whoever got kicked, you know, whoever got pushed last, in accordance to when the refs started paying attention. And then he obviously is going to retaliate. He's going to seem like the bad guy. Right. And so it just seems like he was kind of making the point that it's like the the prevailing narrative uh, um, and the prevailing opinion in the West had a lot to do with just timing. When you when you started paying attention and when, uh, you know, in accordance to when you started paying attention, who got kicked in the teeth last? Yeah, I, I think that might be true in a lot of key cases, but with Israel-Palestine, there, there's honestly like a traceable like war of information and there, there's a traceable like who, which information is prioritized in Western media. And I, I think another- Oh, it's definitely that, overtly skewed Israel. Right, right. And, and then there's also the element of like who we identify with more based on like how- we view people like a lot of Israelis, like there's a lot of Israeli Americans and Palestinian Americans, but like Israelis live a lot more like Americans. Um, they, well, I mean, uh, 50% of the world's population of Jews live in America, 30% live in Israel. And then the rest are all like 8%, 9% down to 0%. Yeah. So, and that's, that's part of it. And then it's, and that's why we have fucking money. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to go into that because we'll get in trouble, but yeah. And that's not entirely a bad thing. Um, no. you know, in certain ways it is. It, you know, what is interesting though? The, the Judeo Christian value dynamic. I understand because it was a term made up in the 1950s, by the way, it's really not a real thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I listen, I get the, cause our, our, you know, old Testament is, basically the Torah, not, but basically, so I get, I I get the connection, but also the main thing in Christianity was Jesus Christ, the timeline of Jesus Christ's life. Right. Right. That is the pinnacle. That is the, it's imperative 
that you study that you believe that that like in Christianity, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. You have to believe that only through him you get to the kingdom of heaven. That is, you know, the apex of importance in that religion. Right. There's this idea that Jews think that Jesus was a prophet or something that is in no way, shape or form true. Well, the Muslims. Muslims. So that's the thing. So it's like the most important thing in the Christian religion is Jesus Christ, his life story, his sacrifice, his connection to God. He was God, but not really. He was a son, but it's a very, I don't know, whatever. Jews don't, Jews think basically this was a kind of a political rabble rouser who just paid the price for breaking the law. And they explicitly reject him. So correct. Correct. Why people think Muslims, Muslims take on a different prophet or, you know, main person to find God through, Mm -hmm. but they still acknowledge the importance of Jesus Christ. They still acknowledge Jesus as a person of spiritual status. And I think it might depend, but he's basically number two. It's not even, no, it's, I mean, he's high up prophets but he's essentially number two a far number two for muhammad from the perspective of muslims but still number two if i'm interpreting it right it might differ based on different interpretations yeah i think does islam acknowledge moses as well i mean i think they'd have to and abraham i i think well abraham obviously right right i don't i don't know about moses actually with them but so it's it is it's a weird that's a conflict that's like so Listen, I understand the the argument that there's Judeo-Christian values. I get that. But there's oh, is Islamo-Christian values is of as valid of an argument as Judeo-Christian values in the sense that at the very least they acknowledge the status of the very thing that holds your religion true. It's yeah. the very it's the connecting fiber to all of the subsects of your religion. Right. So it's yeah. in, it's just a very weird thing that like it, it Judeo-Christian value seems to thrive on Western value. It has nothing. It doesn't seem to necessarily connect via religion. It seems to connect via culture. It's uh, not a religious thing. It's a cultural thing. And so yeah. calling it Judeo-Christian value seems odd. I think so. I, I mean, I, I think that the term came out of a want for um, there to be like more assimilation between Jews and Christians living in the same country. Uh, and, you know, likely from both sides um, and a marrying of, of the two things. And, and to be honest, I mean, American Judaism um, or the, I mean, the way that the way that all three of these religions manifest themselves in the United States is different than the way they're manifest in other places. I, I, like American Muslims and American Jews are much less, um, violent than the ones in the Middle East. Like, yes, there's this tension, but there's not like they're not killing each other most of the time. There's a few instances, um, and it's the same with Christians. I mean, you look at European Muslims, and there's terrorist attacks by second and third generation um, European Muslims a lot. And in America, it's very, very rare. It's there's only a few individual cases of it ever happening. Um, and there's something to that. I don't know what it is, but uh, there's something different. It, it probably has to do with America being formed as, 
you know, largely an Anglo country, but also a conglomeration of other people and accepting immigrants of different types from early on. Obviously, people have their own thoughts about when it changes and becomes whatever. But like Catholic immigrants starting in the mid 19th century was was pretty was was pretty out there for the time. Um, and then obviously more different as they go on. And uh, Protestants, I, well, that's who fucking built this goddamn country. Essentially, it's who started it. Yeah. We were pro. That's why they call him. A lot of people don't. He's a little interesting language tidbit. Of uh, why do they call them Protestants? They were protesting Catholic Church. Wow. They wanted to be able to practice their version of Christianity, and they were protesting the harsh condemnation from the Catholic Church, which obviously had its its you know little boy loving clause in the political system at that time as well. So yes, you can now, Hey folks, go repeat that at the dinner table. People will go, Oh, hmm. and by the way, that's about all you can expect. Never expect a, never think that repeating a political point at the dinner table is going to get you any love. Have interesting tidbits of information that don't have anything to do with politics. That's what I would say. Snapple bottle facts, like Snapple cap facts. Bring those to the table. Hey, did you know that Protestants are called Protestants because at the time they were protesting the Catholic authoritarianism at the time? Do you know that? And they're going to go, no, but that makes sense. I can, and then you connect, and that's how you connect with people. And then later you lure that person back to your home and you beat them with a blunt object to death. And then um, from there, I'm not entirely sure what the, uh, standard operating procedure is to get away with it but you know here's what i'll say leverage that skill how you will fantastic now you say something i dude what the hell am i saying? you escalated <laughs> way too much how am i supposed to respond to this <laughs> what am, what am I well I, to it's just it's interesting because you would uh, protestants you like you hear protestant which yeah. is a, a collection of different um, anything that's not Catholic, basically, in the Christian religion is Protestant. Or like Orthodox, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah, I guess Orthodox, yeah. But like Baptists and Lutheran yeah. and, and uh, Presbyterian and Methodists, you know, all the fucking whatevers. And there's other ways to break it down as well. And Anglicans are weird because they're liturgical and so are Lutherans. And there's a whole bunch of this. You know what I like? I like the Southern Baptists. They get a little rowdy. Yeah, evangelicals. Unfortunately, a lot of them are uh, dispensationalists, which means they basically kind of worship the Jews, which to me makes them kind of not Christian and really weird. It's Jesus, weird. this is what everybody, Jesus was a Jew. No, not, I mean, ethnically. It's a different uh, ethnically from today even, but like, yeah, I mean, he was culturally a, a Jew, but it, it, the way I take that, I take it from this is that like Judaism of like in Judea at that time and Christianity, like people view it as like, there's a line and Christianity splits off from Judaism, but in a sense, it's more like a line. And then there are two bisecting paths. Right. And one of them is Judaism. One's Christianity just because rabbinic Judaism is, is called um, or rabbinic or Talmudic Judaism is called Judaism. Doesn't mean that they're this, that they're the, um, 
that they're like the extension of the original Jews. I mean, it's it's not. Christians are have just as much of a claim to being the Jews as as any other group. It's it's, it's like just, the it's like the evolution of um uh it's it's the common progenitor between chimps and humans. It's like it's split into two right. different things, and the progenitor is no longer like it no longer exists. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, it's interesting. I would love to see the evolution of how Jews became where they're at, you know, bank executives, media executives, or just wearing heavy clothes in the summertime in Brooklyn versus I answer that last one very easily, actually, versus how the, a common progenitor also uh, split off and created, you know, like Christian Daytona 500 fans, basically like how, like what, how, like, I'd like to see the evolution of how each one got where from where it was. Yeah. And, and that exists. And a lot of it is politicized. Um, and a lot of it is like certain things would get you accused of being a Nazi and maybe they're not like, um, not that I believe some of those things. I, it depends. It's just, there was, um, there was other development in, in what's now called Judaism. And I think like the Talmud was finished being written in like the 700s or the 600s. Um, I think 700s AD and like as a minority religion for all of its existence, Judaism is like it's modern Judaism is like formed from being a minority religion. And, and that's in the DNA of the religion in the sense of like the qualities that allowed it to survive, especially um, the extension of Ashkenazi Judaism, um, which was they kind of got bottled. What is that? I keep I keep seeing posts about Ashkenazi Judaism and they all look like fucking. Uh, Barbara Streisand. Yeah, all so of the... our, most American Jews are Ashkenazi ethnically. So this is a Ashkenazi means European, basically. So they're European Jews, and then there's the other main group. There's more than this, but the other main group is Sephardic, which those are Arab Jews. Um, mm. And there's a lot of tension between those Jews and also other splits of populations. In those Jews are tend to be attractive. The darker ones, the darker Jews tend to be very attractive men. I don't know about the women, but the men tend to be very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, they're gorgeous people. Seriously. Um, and then there's a few others. There's like Ethiopian Jews. Um, there were, there were some Ethiopian Jews and, and how attractive are they? What? And how attractive are they? Um, I mean, they, they look like Ethiopian people, which is very unique. Um, Ethiopian people have a unique look. Um, I think they're attractive people, but, uh, if you, if you've ever seen an Ethiopian or a Somalian person, they're, they're distinct from, from other Africans. Um, Africa has the most genetic diversity amongst humans of all the continents because they had more years of difference, uh, which sometimes has some negative implications. Like in the Congo, there are, um, Bantu people, which is the majority of people on the African content are Bantu. There's a big expansion like 700, 800 years ago. It started and it kept going um, based on their technological superiority. But there are Bantu tribes in the Congo, which is a huge landmass, but it doesn't look that big on a regular map because it's around the equator. Um, and uh, they, some of these tribes hunt pygmies, uh, hunt shorter humans. Um, oh, I've heard about this. That's yeah. wild. I've heard about this. I think I watched like a, there was like a 10 minute thing on YouTube. They are nuts. Yeah. They, and they don't, I, and this is just how this one video that I watched made it seem. They, they literally do not treat, they treat them like you would treat, they don't have any, 
I could be wrong. They don't seem to have hate for pygmy. Do they? Do they hate them, or or are they just hunting them because that's what they like? They don't seem to. Is there a reason? I guess because this video made it seem like they don't know why they're doing it. Even they're just following tradition. Um. I mean, from what I know, I, I would have to see the video and I don't know too much about it, but I, I, from what I thought, they thought they think that there's a spiritual significance to being <laughs> pygmies. Um, and, and this is in, Wait, in so a if you put a midget over there, he's getting fucked up, right? Like he, dude, they... it's, it's on it. I'm not sure about midgets, but albinos are treated very poorly. They can be killed as children. There, there's, there's, and this is something that exists in Africa, but it exists a lot of other places as well um of like these are like this is some somebody of spiritual significance so we're going to consume their flesh and take their power um it's common it's common even today it's wild hmm. um yeah i didn't know well I, here's one thing i will speak to i don't know much about the diverse diversity of uh african genetics but i do know that uh co the congo on the map like you said it looks kind of small it looks it looks like um the Congo on every map looks like fucking South Dakota, you know? Um, yeah, but it's not it. The, the African the countries are Africa's fucking massive. It's huge. It's huge. It's like, it's like how Alaska looks as it looks like fucking Texas on a map. And it's like, Nope, Nope. It's not. It's like yeah. how it's like how Brazil is portrayed on maps. It's like you have no fucking idea. Canada, the the northernmost tip of Brazil, is closer to the southern to the to Canada than it is the southernmost tip of Brazil. You could get to northern. You could get to Canada from the northernmost tip of Brazil faster than you could the southernmost tip of Brazil. That's wow. a fact. Yeah, it's massive, dude. Oh my gosh. Look at that. I mean, that's the Congo, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's how big it is. How, mu how much of that is actually inhabited, though? Um, a lot of it's jungle. Um, so there, there's some other problems that go on in there. Uh, a lot of these things are talked about in Stone Age Herbalist's book. Um, forget what it's called right now, but it's it's there's a few essays of dissident anthropology that um, talk about what goes on there. I said what my show, I said the name of my show. I didn't say what it is. It's Anthrop cultural anthropology is what I do, but you know, it's more than that, but that's mainly what it is for those uh, who are, who are just listening. So the map shows an overlay of the democratic Republic of Congo on the United States. And this is stretching from, you know, about half of Montana, North Dakota and Minnesota, all the way down to, uh, you know, the Gulf of Mexico and Texas and reaching over to like Salt Lake city, uh, and Albuquerque, New Mexico, into like almost to Arkansas, it looks like, um, almost to Missouri. I mean, this is, yeah, it's ridiculous. I'll do you one better. This is Africa, and it fits all of these countries. It fits China, Japan, the UK, India, the United States, Italy, Germany, Germany, France, Belgium, Spain, um, and all of Eastern Europe inside of it. Jesus. Yep. And within that is more genetic diversity 
of humans than exists in the entire rest of the world. So what is their population? Are they, do they have a high population or, or like, do they have a much higher population? They can't, right? Like China has a massive population. India has a huge population, the U S. So this is just, most of it's just uninhabitable, right? 1.216. So large swaths of it are uninhabitable. I mean, look at this. The Sahara is huge. Um, yeah. This area here along the West, um, uh, Guinea, Sierra Leone, Liberia, uh, this is pretty populated right here and down into here. Uh, there's some areas over here. These are pretty populated. Um, this is more like more hunter gatherers over here. And it, basically the, the light green parts are pretty populated generally, especially over here. This part is most of the population that I'm, I'm circling, like uh, basically from the Gambia, um, all of West Africa down into uh, Cameroon, Nigeria. Nigeria is one of the most populated countries in the world. Um, I guess got as many people as like France. Okay. Just uh, speaking of countries that are misrepresented on maps, Australia is another one that's fucking huge and it, it doesn't seem to, yeah. it isn't, it's not portrayed that way on a map. Um, yeah. yeah. Nigeria is actually 213 million, which is, that's pretty, that's a lot of Nigeria. You better fucking, you better tighten up folks. There's scammers. They're going to be calling. Seriously. Especially with the, the especially with the AI that can mimic people's voices, um, it's one of the most effective scams that's been happening in in recent years. The AI technology can basically listen to, uh, you know, you can you can submit. I, I guess this is how it would work. You would submit an audio file of somebody's voice. The more audio files that you have with different inflections and tendencies, the better it will get. But it then can spit out a, a a pure mimicry of, of that voice. And you can just, you can call somebody and then hit fucking play. And people, it is impossible. Old people cannot tell the difference. And if I even, if you even brought up the fact that there's an AI scam that fucking mimics people's voices, they could they would they it's it's nuts it's yeah. nuts and by the way nigerians if you have found yourself in a position to leverage ai in a way that benefits your business i'm not going to tell you what the limits what the moral limits of those are okay ai is here to stay folks so maybe you should build your security a little bit better maybe don't fucking bitch to me because you got scammed by a nigerian who happens to know his way around uh an ai audio file okay maybe you shouldn't be fucking not privy to that information if a nigerian gets gets his hands on this information you certainly have the resources to do so so don't bitch to me i agree i fully agree and uh, yeah, it, it seems like we just got to figure out the defense of it. It's hard. It's, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to judge somebody who, when we have all this crap in the U.S. and uh, funding stuff, you know, just. It's hard, yeah, it's listen, when Sam Bankman Freed fooled everybody. What was that? What was that thing called? It was like, what was the what was this crypto thing called? I don't remember what FTX FTX. Yeah. yeah. FTX. And he had, 
celebrities for i mean listen when this fucking pussy can fucking make everybody look like a fucking fool i mean he was a patsy right like it's pretty obvious when he got convicted i was like damn like that sucks like i i know that you're a bad guy but there's a worse guy above you who actually did this shit i think Uh, yeah yeah but also the government's getting lazy folks with their with their shit i mean they put this guy as the front guy they put that horse tooth bitch next to him and everybody just went oh yeah this is all this is all a okay are you out of your fucking mind yeah it doesn't make any sense if a woman ever of that fucking troll height and that fucking zitty lens horse tooth fucking big forehead greasy hair face ever approached me and tried to tell me about what i should do about my investments in cryptocurrency i would have attacked palestine mercifully because i would have had so much anger i would have decapitated palestinian babies and fucked with their corpses i mean they're both jewish though so why take it out on the palestinians because not that you should Israel, take it out on Jews. That's not the answer. Well, Israel well, has never done anything. Like, listen, Hamas, the Palestinians deserve it. Israel has never done anything wrong ever. Okay? I think we can fucking say that with confidence. I, I don't think I that agree. Israel has ever done anything wrong ever. Okay? Their architecture, they've... I mean, they're, they've mangled the beauty of what could be. But... I think so. Other than that, they really... Quite honestly, the generation of wealth, the acquisition of wealth is quite beautiful, folks. And so how can I be anti-Jewish when I love the the aesthetic beauty and the intrinsic beauty of the acquisition of wealth? How natural it is. How unnatural it is. The materialism. The drive. The passion, the emotion, the callousness, how they all live simultaneously in a being it is something to be uh starstruck at it is something to be studied it is something to model your life off of it's also a life lesson and a warning it's everything all at once the acquisition of wealth and who's the best at the acquisition of wealth the jews and no that's not a that's not a bad stereotype. Don't fucking come to me and say, oh, Jews, they, you say they want money. I'm not saying they're greedy. I'm saying they're good at getting fucking money. Okay? There's a difference between being greedy and being good at acquiring money. Okay? Now, they, again, there may be a lot of people who are good at acquiring money that may also be greedy. But that's not what I am referring to here. I am referring to the simple skill of the acquisition of wealth and the Jews do it well expertly. And that's why it's okay that they commit a genocide because they have a skill. Okay. Here's the fact of the matter, folks, you got to grow up the better, the more valuable you are as a country, as a human, as a political idea, as a whatever, the more valuable you are, the more shit you can get away with. Uh, some of the other stuff that you were saying was was ironic, but 100% that. It's the practicality of, the, like, all the other stuff is just noise. It's all, all the rest of it is bullshit. Like, you know, Saudi yes. Arabia can get away with shit, and they can get the U.S. to help them fund a genocide. 
Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And Israel and the CIA, you know, it's all these, all these things. They're able to get away with it and they can. And then other groups that don't have as much to offer, they can't get away with it. Just like how, you know, sports players, uh, the best sports players can get away with literally the worst things, murder and rape. They can get away with it and they have, and they do. Um, and it's awful. I mean, so they get you away can with fucking, it. Listen, folks. So you can sit there and bitch about how Hunter Biden got away with some of the craziest financial crimes in the 21st century. Yeah, you can bitch about that. You can sit there and bitch about how George W. Bush certainly had probably had some uh, foreknowledge about 9-11 and probably let it happen because he really wanted to go to war in the Middle East because it helped his presidential candidacy and a lot of other things that he had going on with oil. You can sit there and bitch about how Jeffrey Epstein's client list has never been uh, made public. You can sit there and bitch about how Donald Trump didn't fulfill a lot of his promises that he made to the people that supported him. You can sit there and bitch about how Joe Biden is not even a coherent person. But guess what? They made their way up the ladder or they started there. doesn't matter who gives a shit where you started. It's about where you end up. They are up at the top of the ladder so they can get away with it. So stop bitching about how they can get away with things. If you want to get away with things too, go up the ladder. Make your way up the ladder. Don't bitch to me about how fucking they should all be in. Yes, they should all be in prison, but they're they've they've proven themselves. At least in the general sense or the relative sense of the political theater, valuable, too valuable to pay for their crimes. Instead of bitching about how people how there's no justice, get to that level, because guess what? Once you get to that level, you won't be bitching. And that's the message that Sam and I would like to, you know, I mean, I, listen, the unfit statesman says and the illegitimate uh, illegitimate scholars say, stop bitching about injustice. Get to a level in your own life where you can commit atrocities and not have consequences. I support Thank that. you, folks. Tell everybody once again where they can find you. Illegitimate scholar on YouTube and all podcasting apps and uh, ill underscore scholar on Twitter. Nice. You don't want to mention any, oh. you don't, oh, oh, you said that it's not in, in full. Well, yeah, in, I mean, it's out there five till midnight is, but it's, it's linked from my Twitter as well. Gotcha. Okay. Is, so yeah. get over there and fucking follow him pussies. Yeah. Thank you. Pussies that haven't made it up to the upper echelons of society where you don't have to pay for your fucking crimes. Seriously. Okay. And I'd like to help you. I, I want you to help me get up there and the way that you can support me getting up to that. Uh, peak level of society is going to my Patreon and subscribing. Okay. And then I'll bring you all with me, right? This is a trickle down effect. I'm Reagan. It's trickle down. You know, you know how it works. You know how it works. That's what Jimmy Buffett the, did. The top gets rich and then they, they evenly disperse and, and, you know, they have the generosity to, to make sure that the people who got them there also uh, reap the rewards of their success. And that's exactly what I'm going to do for you so get over there go over there okay you fucking stop paying attention to what's happening in israel and palestine get over to my fucking patreon you don't need we, we can watch fucking fox or cnn i'll tell you all you need to know don't fucking there's no need and go fucking follow everything samuel urban thank you for fucking joining me i know you're a busy man thank you for uh carving some time out thank you for having me yeah yeah and we'll we'll find a we'll find a time and we'll 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 get something scheduled for for both your podcasts, hopefully soon. Yeah, absolutely. We can do that. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right.